Hi, my name is Alistair Caithness, CEO of Zion Inc. And this is our new podcast that discusses the energy industry and the blockchain. If you'd like to know more about the company or more about today's show, then visit our website, www.zion.com. Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Boom It's on the Blockchain, and this is the second part of our interview with David Greenberg. So David, uh, how much do you think OPEC has a control over the oil price? Yeah, it was funny. I once sold crude oil at $10.75. I'll never forget, Anderson Cooper asked me, it was one of his first interviews, you know, and where do you think crude is going? And I'm like, I think it's going to go to nine bucks because OPEC can't get their act together. Well, it turns out OPEC got their act together, cut their price and cut their production, and it went up to 30 bucks that year. And I believe Anderson called me up and said, you know, that was a worldwide, you know, broadcast. Do you think they listened to some dumb idiot in New York saying that they could never get their, you know, you know act together? And, and they did. And he was just you know, using it as a joke. But they, at, for, for a time, they had tremendous pricing power. You know, if they just gave the hint of a cut. You know, we all knew that prices would go up, but you also knew that you could sell into it in the back months simply because that OPEC never had a cut that anybody kept to. There was tremendous cheating going on in all the production in OPEC, you know, on all different levels. And that was their biggest problem is that they couldn't keep, you know, the agreements tight on either end. There's always some country that would put some out in the back door, but they had tremendous power. They have much less power now. And we really saw it for the first time. I had said for years, I mean, for 15 years, everybody called me up when this happened, that said, I love being short. And I live for a short market. The short market should make money much faster than on the long side. And I always said, and I did a lot of, you know, I remember I did commentary on CNBC and Fox and all the other networks, CNN, for years. And I always said, as much as I like being short crude oil, you never want to go home short crude oil because if the Saudi oil fields get bombed, it's going to come in $20 higher. Well, here it is. You have an explosion in the Saudi oil fields, right? And we only came in $5 higher, which was really incredible because it really showed, one, the efficiency of how the market's efficient now, but more importantly, how the world is not as dependent on the Saudi oil as everybody thought at one time. You know, the United States has become independent and then a lot of other countries. Um, and, you know, it's, it's truly amazing to see, you know, how that happens. So, so what do you think the future is for the Saudi oil market then? I think the Saudi oil market and the entire Middle East oil market is going to be weaker than it's ever been. When I was in Dubai, I was in a, a, a guest of the Sheik, and they wanted us to invent this thing that we did with an Oman contract, and it's called the Dubai Mercantile Exchange. And I was talking to, they have a CEO of Dubai, and he was saying to me that they know that their oil supply, especially in the Dubai area, is limited, so they wanted to become more of a financial capital of that part of the world. So that's why they created all the safe zones and all the stuff that they were doing. And I think over time, sure, Saudi has a very abundant supply and everything, but the world is getting better at it. The world is getting better between Shell and all these other possibilities. We're saving on, on the cars and the homes, becoming more efficient. And I really think that it's going to be um, something big. Hold on for one second. Okay, I'm sorry. So I think that's actually David's PR people that uh, have come in, in the podcast. But this is a good time to let everyone know that David is going to be chairman of our new uh, energy trading platform. 
So it's exciting for the company. It's exciting that we've got someone as high profile as David coming on board to help us. Uh, as David said, there's no guarantee to success, but he wouldn't be putting his name to it unless we had a shot. So having said that, if you've got shares in Zion Inc., you're part of the company, it's exciting and going forward that David's going to be part of the company. Uh, I think that's him coming back from his PR people. Just a final point, uh, on social media last week, over 2,000 people liked the picture that David was having when David was having lunch. Maybe something to do with the woman he was having lunch with. Okay, here he is. So, so um, yeah, tell us more about the, the Dubai uh, Mercantile Exchange, uh, how you set it up and uh, what they're actually using it for. David. Well, they were really trying to become the dominant force and really push a Oman um, product because if you really think that Oman is the dominant oil in that part of the world, uh, it's something that, again, it never really took because what people don't realize, it's very, very, very hard to establish a new market in a new part of the world. And, you know, markets just don't transfer. That's why, you know, the WTI market didn't transfer over to ICE. The Brent market didn't transfer over to NYMEX. Um, and it's very hard to establish something new. So, you know, Dubai was really trying to show with all their safe zones or, you know, that they have to work in. They had Microsoft there. They had Harvard there. And they had all these um, independent free zones, what they call them. And they just wanted to show a footprint of that they could have a market over there as well. It's trading, but you don't really hear about it that much. It's not a major, it's not a major player in the arena. So, so essentially, there's no real Middle East exchange then. They like to believe there is, but the real, the real exchange is is Intercontinental Exchange and now the CMA. Okay, so it's um, so so. Where do you see the future with uh, the the Middle East markets, so or where do you think they are going now with uh, oil becoming more sort of commoditized across the world? So it's it doesn't have the volatility and the control from them. Well, I think that the oil, you know, they'll always have some type of um, small hold on it, but they're going to have to make much larger cuts to show that they can move the price to where they want it to be, right? If they want, I know I've always said that they might, they'd always love it around 70, 75 bucks, you know, give or take. All nations seem to be happy at that price. Um, however, it's going to be harder and harder for them to keep it there. You know, and I just think that their world dominance that they've had for this century is, is is quickly fading. Yeah, and then the U.S. market obviously is now strong because of um, the, the fracking industry and everything that's happening in the Permian. So, so where, where do you see the future of the U.S. market now? I think we're going to become big oil exporters. And I think that we're going to finally start making some money on our oil and, you know, rather than as we've done for so many years, taking in for the rest of the world. I think it's a, it's in a very interesting time. Um, it will depend greatly on whatever the next administration is, you know, which way does that go? Um, if the Democrats come in, well, you know, again, and just letting you know for you listen, I'm a pure independent, I vote for both sides, so I'm not biased. So if the Democrats come in, I think you'll see a lot of the EPA rules being you know, put back in. If the Republicans stay in, you got another four years of pure oil exploration. Mm -hmm. And then, so where do you see renewables coming into this then, like wind and solar? Well, I think I was just actually, I'm going to a friend of mine's house on Sunday, I'm meeting with a four-star admiral and, and they're talking about, they have a, he's got a solar company. 
and I think that solar, I think it's been pushed out for a very long time, but I think technology is getting to the point now where solar is becoming so efficient and more and more acceptable and wanted um, that that's also going to change the curve. I mean, between solar and wind, with the new lightweight materials that they can use and the and the cost of it coming you know down so deeply, I, I just can see it dropping very fast. Yeah, and so so how long in terms of you know the new green deal? Everyone's pushing for this from the Democrat side of things. If they start to implement this, David, you know how long do you think that would take? I think it'll take a decade plus. I think that everybody you know that you know one thing about the Democrats is that they have their they have their vision on what it should be, but not how it's going to be paid for and how it's going to affect other people, um, other companies. And I think they'll they'll always be pushed back. Yeah, and how it develops as well. So, so coming on to our project and what we are trying to do, uh, David, in terms of create a, essentially a platform for tokenizing oil. You know, where do you see some of the barriers that we are going to have to face in developing a market from your experience? Well, I think it brings the buyers back down to the public, which the public can't trade the way I traded. You know, I think that it, it opens up a whole new section of the population. That I mean, anybody that trades an oil EFT, I always say they always needed their head examined. Because, you know, if you buy one contract of WTI and you buy one contract of the, the ETF, you know, it's, you know, and crude oil goes down $5 and up $5 the next day, the crude oil will be back where it was, but the ETFs isn't balanced the same way. And then they add it into the roll and, you know, into the ETF. What people don't realize is that once the exchanges were allowed to go for profit, which we all did, I believe as a board member, that was the last time that there was a product that was truly ever made for the good of the public because they have to report to their shareholders. So basically, everything that they're doing is based on, you know, is based on profit. So you know, you got to be very careful with some of these ETFs. And there's no liquidity when you when the market moves. So what I'm hoping in, in this new product that we're doing is not only will it provide liquidity, but will provide an instrument on the average person or the more than average investor or the major investor that wants to try a new way of being in the oil market. That's a, that's much more pure then the ETFs, it will have a place to go. So essentially you're thinking we're going to bring a lot more uh, buyers to the marketplace from this because it's going out to the general public. Yeah, listen, everybody would love to have a little bit of um, you know, uh, oil in their portfolio. It's the same theory about gold. You know, gold I always looked at as a dead asset. You know, gold is living on an old reputation when there's nothing else, there are no S and P's, there are no euros, there are no there are no derivatives. There was nothing back in the seventies when gold was gold. Um, but now, if you get a, if everybody to get a certain percentage of their portfolio and a little bit of oil, and they can use it in a tokenized form, only they feel comfortable. They can really see on a daily basis just where it is. Uh, I think it can be a great opportunity for a new market. So, so if you're a small oil company and you're sitting on a small production, you're always sort of capital raising for the next drilling project. You know, how do you think our platform is going to benefit them? Well, I think that they know that they can tokenize and get, you know, just like so many other things in the new digital currency age, that they're going to be able to bring money in in a much more pure way and a direct way that can completely affect their operations, allow them to grow faster, quicker, and more efficiently. Mm -hmm. 
And then essentially, it's also from my perspective, it's providing liquidity for the you know the small investor as well. Because sure. right that's, now, that's what well, that's why I mentioned before about being in this rather than ETFs. Liquidity won't dry up in this the same way because well, people are, they'll build there will be people on both sides of the market, um, and I think that will be a big plus. Mm -hmm. So it's just a case of so having built exchanges before, you know, what are the other you know if from people looking outside in, you know, if we're building out an exchange, what are the sort of key points that you have to actually tick boxes in order for this to be successful? Liquidity, period. You need to have a product that people will want, people will show up, and people will trade or at least buy and hold it and, and then get in and out. Um, that's that's really the key, and it all depends on if you have the right There have been many products over time that the exchanges have put out to fail. People just didn't show up that we thought we would. And as well as timing, too. You don't want to launch a product. You know, we launched a Moody's product, which was a copycat of the S&Ps, on uh, 87, literally the day before the crash, and nobody paid attention to it. So, but I think that you know this new product has got a tremendous value to 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 very many people. I think it'll be an easy launch. An easy launch, yeah, excellent. So, yeah, no, no, we we're all excited about it. And then obviously, and going forward, it's just a case of uh, increasing market awareness, and then. You know, we, we just need a fir first few projects coming on board, being successful with the capital raise, being successful with uh, hitting oil, obviously, with uh, if they're doing a capital raise, and then also tokenizing production as well. Because one of the things that you know I think is key is that most people in, who invest in the U.S. oil market right now invest in the drilling aspect of it. But, you know, is this opportunity for us to actually tokenize the production? And I think it'll bring in new investors who want to get involved in buying into the production itself where the risk is less high. You know, what are your thoughts on it? Or if anyone's listening out there, David, what do you think you would advise them on that? Well, I think the risk on this is, is, is far, you know, especially for the people that want to get into the digital age. Um, you know, everybody talks about, you know, crypto and they talk about Bitcoin. But there's really what is behind Bitcoin. Nobody really knows. And to have a digital currency out there, a token like this, which is you know, which is an investment on a product that you can track every day and that's real, I think that that it it mitigates the risk to a level that people will be happy and look forward to to being part of this. Excellent. So just a final point, just to finish off the podcast itself today, David, would be just to, to, to talk about some of your time in terms of lecturing, because obviously you, you lecture at quite a few universities in West Point. So when you go into these universities or at the West Point, you know, what do you talk about? And it's obviously young people you're speaking to, and, you know, what's the future for them? Well, we do a lot of leadership lecturing and a lot of, you know, risk management as far as you know, being able to understand that you have to be able to pivot on your feet quickly and understand, especially you got to be, remember my trading, most traders on the trading floor, 70% of our trades are bad trades all day. And we had to learn to cut our losses. And I know it sounds cliche, it's cut our losses and ride your winners, but we did, we did fast. I was one of 17 traders that we brought down to Quantico to be drilled by the, the top Marines um, in Quantico to find out how we thought so independently with so much money on the line. And when I go into places like West Point or Columbia or NYU, I'm, I'm doing a lot lately too. Uh, it's really about just teaching people how to, you know, deal with leadership, deal with pressure, 
you know, and, and just expand their horizons. And being a trader on the floor, the one thing you'll learn is that you can't blame any of your mistakes on anybody else but yourself. And, that, and that's the key. And once you can understand that, once you can be in that position, uh, there's really no place you can't go. Yeah, well, that's a good way to finish today then, David. So uh, uh, thanks so much for your time and um, uh, thanks for listening to um, Boomits on the blockchain. Thanks for your uh, time today, David. Thank you. I look forward to more of them. Okay. Have a nice day. Thanks very much for listening to our podcast. And if you'd like to know more information or get our next podcast, then visit our website, www.zyn.com. Thanks very much. Have a nice day.